0: Texas Talking, ah. What was that that you said? Texas Talking, ah. Gonna hoop up inside your head. Texas Talking, Tell me who can you trust when Texas has more. Texas has Texas,
1: Texas Talking, Hi, this is State Representative Jonathan Sticklin, and welcome to Tripcast. Uh, when Reeve asked me to do the intro for this week's cast, I instantly said no, as usual. Uh, But then I thought of my homie, Evan Smith, and I became a squishy, moderate compromiser and and agreed to do it. So uh, thank you guys for everything you do, and I hope you enjoy this week's cast.
0: Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton here with the TripCast for the third week of June. I'm joined by editor-in-chief and CEO and moderate squish, Evan Smith.
1: What's your problem? Do you not remember who I am? Hello, Reeve. (laughs) It's been a while. I thought that sticklet introduction was great. Well, of course, it said your name. You've seen his. Yes, new- I am enough of an <laughs> egomaniac there. I may have to start drunk tweeting against him, like some people. I'm not. Gonna we're gonna.
2: Mention. We're gonna have to have some commentary on his new beard.
3: Evan's list of homies is so short. Evan's <laughs> new beard. I have Inside one it.
1: homie. I only have room in my life for one homie.
3: Yeah, Evan's beard is getting pretty thick.
1: <laughs> I was my actually beard. talking about
2: Jonathan Stickland's new beard, but anyway. have
1: you <laughs> seen
3: Jonathan Stickland's beard?
1: <laughs> no,
2: but this is radio.
0: Well, you We're, can't we'll grow just facial hair that. anyway, Reeve. It's not even a
1: relevant topic. He's, <laughs> he's got it.
3: a little more facial hair than you do. Who, Reeve? Yeah.
1: Let's move, on. Just, he's Let's m- Let's move on. He's unshaven. That's a difference. He's lazy. Executive editor. He's grown up. He's lazy.
0: <laughs> one man who is grown up but also lazy. <laughs> 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 Executive editor, else Ramsey. I mean, Ramsey oh. Slug. An <laughs> immoderate squish, right? Okay, go yeah. ahead. Fine. And editor Emily Ramshaw. <laughs> no
1: one would accuse her of being a squish. No. No.
3: Or lazy. Or grown up. Or having facial hair. Well, this is, thank goodness I'm on this trip, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this has taken an unexpected turn.
1: They uh, all do. They yeah. all take unexpected turns. Sometimes
0: they take longer, though. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Texas Tribune, University of Texas, whatever order you want to put those in. University of Texas, Texas right Tribune right. poll.
2: Uh, this came out starting last week. Yeah, and last week we talked about the, some of the horse race stuff. Um Did since, you talk
1: about it on the podcast?
2: A little bit. Um, I don't we've remember. Forgotten. A little bit. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> Let's talk about it a little bit again. You know, the race, the horse race stuff was pretty predictable. The Republicans were ahead of the Democrats all the way across the statewide ballot. Uh, Greg Abbott by 12 points. Um, John Cornyn by 11 points. Um, and it goes all the way down Dan to... Dan Patrick the most.
1: Dan as he has points. taken to bragging about in sponsored well, tweets. Well, yeah, and I, also I mean, did the, you see the poll, was in the, field. the poll was
2: in the field from May 30th to June 8th, and Dan Patrick's heated runoff race, ended June 27th. He'd been on TV quite a bit. He'd been 27th, on the radio quite a bit. He'd been on the internet yeah. quite a bit.
0: So this is proof that there's no such thing as bad press?
2: I think Flo Ziegfeld's proven here. I think, yeah, there is no such thing as bad press. He was better known than Van I think her unknowns were in the 30% range.
1: Look, Ken Paxton had the st- stuff beaten out of him uh, by Dan Branch all throughout that runoff, and he ended up beating Dan Branch by a margin as wide as Patrick beat I think Paxton is proof of the same thing.
3: So there's either no such thing as bad press, or press just doesn't matter.
1: Just spell your name right. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, may, it may be that press well, does and
2: it's not all just free press. I mean, it's also advertising and all of that. The mm-hmm. unknowns were, you know, Pat, the number of people who didn't know who Patrick was was much smaller than the number of people who didn't know who his opponent was. So he had the natural advantage that Abbott has over Davis, which in Texas right now looks like 10 to 12 points for the Republican, plus. That may three or four, on, that may three or four points point for you know, all of the –
1: Well, the other part that's really interesting, Democrats. Ross, is that the, the Democrats who are well-known, have high name ID, are not doing appreciably better than the Democrats who are not well-known right. well, whose that's name about, that's ID is not point. right.
2: Yeah, and, and at the bottom of the ballot, this was kind you of know, interesting. What's the difference the,
1: between Sam Houston and Leticia Vandipute for purposes of discussion in the poll? She was at 26. What's, right. So what's Sam Houston at? Sam Houston is but, not at much lower than 26, right? He's at 27. He's a, the so, undecided. Actually, so Sam Houston is getting a higher percentage of the vote than Letitia Vandipute.
0: Well, his name is pretty well known. All
1: right. But look, it's not the runaway scrape running for attorney general. It's not that Sam Houston. I realize it's a but bit of Ken a Ken Herman had the best line that the candidate for attorney general is 221 years old. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, so much for the youth vote. As you
2: right? as you go down the ballot, the unknowns go way way up, and the races get closer. So Glenn Hager's only up on Mike Collier by seven points, and
1: Collier was bragging about having right. the smallest margin, margin. between it's sort of the
2: inverse right. of the Dan Patrick brag. Sid, yeah. Sid Miller over Jim Hogan by eight, Ryan Sitton over Steve Brown by eight. The Paxton Houston race is thirteen points. So all of those all of those Democrat Republican races look like they're they start in the twelve point range. The Democrats have to close it up. What was interesting was we polled a bunch of issues and said. Would Greg Abbott or Wendy Davis be better on these issues? And Abbott did better on all of those issues, including
0: so you, Davis's signature issues like education. Right. So
2: you kind of squint
0: at.
3: Is that at any it. surprise? Well, yeah.
2: I mean, is you that would really think the would have, issue
1: at this point, honestly.
2: You would think that the Democrats like might have some advantage on she public like education. It. It doesn't mean it is. Right. That they might have some advantage on higher education, and and in fact that um, the Abbott advantage on higher and public education was smaller than it was for some other things, but. You look at this as an issue set and say, OK, so where would Wendy Davis attack? Where's the weak spot in the wall on Greg Abbott? And it doesn't look like there is one, mm-hmm. at least at the beginning of this race. The
1: dominant narrative going into this race is that more Republicans turn out to vote in elections than more Democrats – than Democrats do, right? It's not that necessarily that the state is appreciably more Republican than Democrat. It is in the outcome of the elections. But the 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 vote turnout, Republican base turns out in a greater percentage of its total vote than the Democratic base does. Right. And so the, the burden was entirely on the Democrats and on Davis at the top to change that narrative. And to this point, the narrative hasn't changed. It's, like, it's,
3: voter mobilization is the entire narrative. I but, so the,
2: but so there's more there's more Republicans than Democrats. But, you know, the, the thing that you try to do in an election is change the subject so that you're talking about issues that even some of those Republicans agree with Democrats on. And it doesn't look like she has don't, many don't think, issues here where she can exploit that. Don't
1: you think that the Democrats... There are enough Democrats to elect a statewide candidate in Texas. No, if they don't, if if, if they turned out. I mean, there's no, there's no, no, no there's no, no. evidence of that. If they, turned, they
3: that. turned out, if they turned out and became Democrats. I mean, how do you I mean, know they you know, exist yeah. if they're not turning? I've, if there, if, there, if were, there
0: were enough Democrats voting to elect a statewide candidate in Texas, they could.
1: No, no, I said if there were enough. I said that I think that there are enough people who are persuadable to vote Democratic. There are enough people who would self-identify or would be persuaded to vote as Democrats if everybody voted. The problem is not... That there aren't enough Democrats. The problem is that there aren't enough Democrats voting.
2: I'm, I'm not sure there's more dormant Democrats than there are dormant Republicans. Really? We have, yeah. We. I mean, it's a Repu- It's a Even conservative if state. Even you consider
1: it's, the Latino undervote in that. It's
2: always been a conservative state, and and you know you can get the Democrats to the point where you can get more Democratic voters to turn out theoretically than yeah. Republican voters to turn out, but you have to have the Republicans sort of calm and not excited about anything. So throw out the president, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have the Democrats really worked up about something, and they don't seem to be at this point.
3: And how many Republicans in Texas don't vote because this is such an overwhelmingly conservative state that they don't need to?
2: Right. Two-thirds of the Republicans in the state vote in general elections and don't vote in primaries just based on the number – You know, Right. Three Abbott, times, got, Abbott
1: got, right. got a million two in the Well, three the primary, times as many people
2: but, voted yeah. for you know Mitt Romney as voted in the Republican primary in 2012 – Right. Three times as many Republicans vote in the general election. So the Democrats have to overcome that, and the way to overcome that is on issues that, that people are more in line with Democrats on, and and that was the purpose of this, and we didn't find well, that issue. Well,
1: I, I come back to this idea that I believe that if the Democrats could turn their people out, that they would be able to win or be more competitive in elections. Well, that's than, the sleeping the giant situation.
3: assumption, right? I mean, that's why yeah, Battleground Texas is here, well, because and they assume that there are all these people who would vote Democratic who are just not turning out, or who haven't been registered. I think
2: it requires but, the Republicans also not voting.
3: Right, but do that,
1: they have the proof? And yet? it requires Republican candidates to disqualify themselves along the way to make it so that the democrats can get persuadable independents. Right. So the way the the way the Republicans and, have, and that hasn't happened. Either. One
2: of the things that that helped the Republicans was when national democrats got too liberal for Texas democrats and Texas democratic voters started saying, well, you know, I could vote for the county judge and I could vote for the sheriff, but I can't vote for this McGovern guy or this Dukakis guy and they were voting for Republicans in those races. You know, the Republicans haven't turned out a candidate to conservative for moderate Texas Republicans. Those moderate Texas Republican voters haven't changed sides based on what they've been presented. You and know, the they, Democrats theory, think Dan Patrick that they, may be that person. There's a theory. There's a theory, you know, the Democrats think Dan Patrick might be that person. On the national level, they think it might be a Ted Cruz or, you know, a Scott Walker or somebody like that. But it hasn't happened yet.
0: Can you chalk any of the lack of enthusiasm for Democrats in this poll up to the sort of lack of any real exciting races you know, most of their people were running unopposed and haven't generated a lot of attention in the press
2: because of that. Yeah, there were a lot of undecideds here. And, and you know, if you're a Democrat looking for, you know, kind of going through the filings here looking for hope, you know, there are a lot of people who are undecided. There are in individual races some things that might divide candidates. You, when you look in the crosstabs – and we put the full crosstabs of the poll up this morning so you can – go go poke through theirs. There are a lot of things where the you know, the Democrats slam to the left and the Republicans slam to the right, and a couple of those where the independents kinda lean toward the Democrats. Those are opportunity areas if the Democrats have the resources and the candidates to exploit them.
3: But, let, I mean, what are the – how many issues are there where independents or moderate Republic, Re- Republicans are closer to Democrats than they are to the Tea Party?
1: I think immigration I mean, is immigration one in which one. One, right. one imagines there might be some You know, in-state tuition,
3: right? Instu- we were talking in- Immigration
1: might be one. Mm-hmm. In-state
2: tuition might be one. Exceptions to abortion bans might mm-hmm. be one. You know, there's a – the four candidates who ran for the Republican nomination for lieutenant governor all said – they didn't want any exceptions to a ban on abortion except for the life of the mother. And it's pretty clear looking at the voters that Democrats and Tea Party and Republican and independent voters all think that you should have three exceptions. It should be life of the mother, should be rape, and should be incest. So if you're Letitia Vandipute and Dan Patrick's taking that extreme position, you look at that and say, maybe that's an opportunity to the extent that that's a motivator for voters, that that's an issue that voters enough voters care about and they think Dan Patrick's a threat. But that's, I mean, it's, it's thin gruel. What about the issue of equal pay, which is something we did some polling on? Equal Could pay, does that move people? You know, equal pay is interesting. Fifty-nine percent of voters in Texas think that it, it, for the same work, men are paid more than women. Um, but only 49 percent – You know, Think a, that a, or sw-
3: know that? I mean, that's just a fact, b- isn't it?
2: Believe that. Facts are, the facts question, are yeah, a yeah, the days, past, If I'm a man like. and a woman are doing the same work, do you think, A, the man generally earns more? Fifty-nine percent said yes. The woman generally earns more. Two percent said yes. Um, both are in about the same amount, thirty-four um, percent. But you get to the next question, and you say, "Do you think the Texas state government should do more to ensure men and women are treated equally in the workplace?" Um, state should do more, forty-nine percent. So almost almost half. State is doing enough, thirty-four percent. State is doing too much, seven percent. And then when you break down into the I what too much would be. Uh, you know, the state's laws are you know, too strict now. Or to super
3: liberty mm-hmm. folks who say, yeah, the state right. it should just be based on the capitalist market. You you know. Know. In,
2: inside those numbers, if you're a Tea Party identifier, you're pretty strongly in the state is either doing too much or you should leave things alone. If you're a uh, Democratic or an independent identifier, you think that the state should be doing more. And uh,
1: it, or, so, uh, c- can I ask on, on this larger question of the Democrats not being able to make it happen so far? Stipulate no elections over till it's over, but at least so far the trend line is the trend line. What has Wendy Davis not done that she could do? Where where is the responsibility? I don't want to say blame, but where is the responsibility right now? What could she do under the current circumstances that she is not doing?
2: You know, she has to be an emblem of you know, the alternative to Greg Abbott. So you've got to have a defined Greg Abbott, a defined Republican Party in the minds of voters, and you've got to define yourself as an alternative and you've got to do it in a way you're a more desirable alternative. I'm not sure that average voters have really gotten a look from either candidate at this point. We've got five months from either candidate at this point about, you know, this is product A, this is product B, choose. Do you think, Emily, that people don't
1: know who Abbott is?
3: I I mean, I think that what he's about. I think that he is not particularly defined in any kind of of negative light. I mean, I think that she's gonna she has a big problem here because there's no sort of negative stigma. I mean, in some ways, I think she might have an easier time running against Perry than she'd have running against Abbott.
2: Well, and Abbott's Abbott's running against Obama. He's got the same problem, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. I mean, you know, I think in some ways he has an easier time running against her than she has running against him from a, you know, how is this candidate? Because she has really been defined, you know, by all of this media attention of late, and he really hasn't in the same way. There hasn't been the same kind of scrutiny.
0: And I think being able to identify Greg Abbott as the attorney general or being able to say that's Greg Abbott is not the same as sort of having a sense of him. Mm
3: And on these issues where there may be some daylight, you know, on women's health issues, which she came out there with the you know, abortion filibuster almost exactly a year ago and then has really sort of stayed away from on the campaign trail. You know, uh, have we have we seen her taking a hard line on on immigration issues on some of these issues where there might be some wiggle room?
2: Well, in a hard line, in a way that contrasts her with Greg Abbott on a subject that voters care about. Well, she has has taken – And it has to be a difference that makes a difference.
1: Well, she's kind of criticized him for invasion, third world country. Kind of being the
2: key word in that sentence.
1: Well, I think the problem comes back to what Emily identified. I'm I'm with Emily on this that I think um, Abbott is more generically defined as conservative. And it's – it's difficult in a state like Texas where the predisposition of voters or voters who turn out to our earlier conversation right, right. is to be with the person who is conservative. She has to run against what is the majority disposition or predisposition in the state. But it's not anything particular. He has – there are two ways to win in politics and in tennis and in anything else whether it's a contest. You win by winning or you win by not losing. Right. Abbott is winning in both respects right now. Well, he's playing Arthur Ashe tennis. He keeps hitting the ball back waiting for her to make mistakes. She needs a precipitating event of some sort to change the conversation to a place where he is disqualified or or can be disqualified. And he's not giving her much to work with beyond generic conservatism, which is more in line with where the state Mm -hmm. is right now. Right. Right. That, and that's the thing. I mean, I think you bring up abortion. Right. So we haven't heard much about that. So next week is indeed the filibuster.
3: Right. Although we you know, we asked them pretty specifically, is this an event on abortion? Is this, a, you know, a commemoration of this filibuster? And they said that it's a, a commemoration of the, you know, momentum that came out of that. Well, so I think can I think they that control issue, that message.
0: A group of a group okay, of can. A, a Democratic group did put out like a big Multimedia sort the of progress, the progress, right, Texas of the, did, yeah. of the filibuster. So there are some people that are trying to sort of re-own that after it was sort of rushed aside. The for a problem,
1: while. I think, for her and for the campaign is that the issue has a double edge. For every person that turns on, it turns somebody else off, right. or turns them on in the other way. The, very the, Well, but I think it's a real challenge for her because, and I, and I, I'm not suggesting that she's somehow mishandling it, or that she is anything other than a victim of this problem with this issue but if your celebrity is in part born of activism on behalf of reproductive rights right so that's where the filibuster was there's a whole other side to that that gets activated every time that's mentioned and so it's in some respects it's a one step up and one step back it's tough for her to leverage and and you're essentially saying if you believe that the state is about 50 50 on this issue would you say uh
2: it's more you know it's it's Pro life with those exceptions,
1: okay. But so so even, so then she's starting. For a lot of people, that's the that's the line that they don't cross from a vo- right. voting I mean, Most
2: people believe that you should allow abortions, abortions in some cases. So you know,
1: pro life people are not going to vote for pro choice candidates. So either a lot of pro choice people or are pro- not going to pro- vote for pro, pro- life candidates. Pro-
2: so pro choice with, so anyway. with some limitations. So if anyway. you're working within a a, sub,
1: a, a a circumscribed subset of the v- electorate. You, I mean that you, it's difficult to make that your issue because you're just basically then trying to get all the votes of that percentage and that's not really 50%. But, well that's far. why she's probably sure. not trying to make it her issue. Right, but I think Emily's point about the thing next week is it, it it's a celebration of the filibuster. We're not going to talk about what the filibuster issue was, we're not going to talk about eight the bill. I mean, I think it's very difficult to disaggregate the mo- the moment from the substance. Oh,
3: well, we don't know yet what they're going to do and and you know maybe this will become a much bigger issue you know in the sort of second half of the of the general Mm -hmm. you know i mean i think it's sort of a, a wait and see but i'm just i'm just saying i don't see a ton of daylight a ton of holes you know she's tried really hard with the um equal pay issue uh to make that you know to make that a wedge um
1: haven't heard much about that lately
3: well i'm not sure how effective of of an approach, it is. I'm I think a
2: lot of on this one. conversation is just starting, and and really the heated feels part like of this it's going on forever. Well, it does to us because we've been involved <laughs> in it. But the 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 heated part of this conversation doesn't start till Labor Day, you know, when voters tune in and say, "Okay, let me let me see this. I'm ready to I'm ready to make my choices now." Tell so, me a little bit. about But Then about
1: the question that. is: Is it too late for her starting on Labor Day between Labor Day and Election Day to actually make this happen?
2: It depends on what he does. You know, it's interesting. He's got thirty million dollars in the hole. Last time that they reported their bank account, and he could you know, do some branding now. I don't know that they're going to do this, but they could do some early branding and knock her out. You know, She doesn't have the same level of resources he does.
1: Interestingly, the first TV ad that the Abbott campaign put on for the fall was election was in, right? in Spanish, right. which tells you something about where uh, – it tells you something about where oh, their yeah. – view of the of the races and his
3: pursuit of the debate in mccallan i mean you know he right. clearly he has a strategy here whether it's an effective keep strategy that giant that, asleep but, but right. yeah right
0: <laughs> can we talk about one area of the poll where there actually was sort of significant movement uh you know, unlike on the horse race stuff sure. uh which is this no. drop <laughs> this drop in the sense of a value of a higher degree among texans
2: yeah, it's a weird question, and and we knew it was a weird question when we asked it, but it's a, it's a standard question. Do you think a college education is necessary for a person to be successful in today's work world, or do you think there are many ways to succeed in today's work world without a college education? Now, you could say yes to both of those things. Um,
1: yes, important, and yes, there are other ways.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, but, you know, if you're forced to choose between the two, then, you know, you kind of um, – you know, you have, to, you have to make a choice. So we asked this question in May 2010, and 42% said a college education is necessary. We ask it now. That's down to 28, the number who say there are many ways to succeed without a college degree, up from 56 to 68%. You know, I think part of this reflects this conversation that's been going on in Texas and nationally about college is too expensive. This is, you know— A lot of the conversation about college has turned to college as a, you know, as almost prep school for work as opposed to, you know, you're getting a rounded general education. It's no longer sort of cast in those terms. It's cast in terms of, well, that won't get you a job. Well, that'll get you a job.
3: How much Uh, of this could be tied at all to a surge in employment, you know, around the fracking boom where people without college degrees are, you know, making 80, 90, 100 grand
2: Looks like you could make a lot of money doing that. You mm-hmm. just have—it's one of those jobs where you look at it and you say, "This is great. I'm making a lot of money. I've got a new pickup truck. Do I still want to be doing this when I'm 58 years old?"
3: Hell, in New York City, plumbers are making a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, you know, these are good salaries. <laughs> well, a lot Although of those,
0: even, but a lot of a lot of them also will ha- get higher ed credentials right. some some way. Right. And degree is sort of a
2: and a lot of those term. a lot of those jobs are good jobs and always have been good jobs and some of them always will be. I mean, you know, you can see. You know, some jobs fading away or some industries getting knocked out, but you know you're always going to need somebody to work on the pipes. I mean, some of these are but solid. The, but this is also the future in them. This is also
0: coming off of you know the New York Times ran a thing talking about how, based on you know the uh, study by the Economic Policy Institute, Americans with four-year college degrees make 98 percent more. Per hour on average, than those without degrees. So it seems like that college degree is still probably a good investment.
2: Yeah, but that's still in that same frame of this is basically Mm -hmm. job prep. I mean, you know, there for a long time, you know, historically, this was, you know, right. Is the the value
0: added earnings or is it added sort of general knowledge and you know
2: and you know sort of the classical degree is no longer you know what we're talking about at least in the public space. It's more about well, is this going to get you a job? What kind of job is it going to get you?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think higher ed has a has a messaging problem, which gets back to the uh, the Davis issue as well, right? People need to they need to learn how to sell themselves.
2: Well, it does. I mean, if you're in the position where you're defending higher ed, or you know, if you if you if you get this down to a narrow thing, if it's like the the fight at UT, you know, it's between you know, generically ten thousand dollar degrees and the ivory tower. If you're on the ivory tower side, that's a tough political fight even you know even if you think you're right i mean that's that's not a
1: popular and i think spot. that p- part of it gets to the question of college affordability a- and the the value of a degree is at least as much a factor of do i want to be you know leaving aside what you think about the value of the degree as a way to get into the workforce or do whatever you want to do next as the cost of college goes up people begin to associate the value proposition with that, right? you know, it's not about what you get out of it. It's what you put into it as much. Right. Um, we know that right now student loan debt is, uh, is exceeding uh, credit card debt is the biggest type of indebtedness in this country. Is Average magnitude. graduate
2: debt right now is 23000 something right. like that.
1: So I, I wonder to what – I mean I don't know that we drill down to that degree, but I wonder to what degree there's a calculation in the minds of people when they're saying is this worth it. Uh,
0: a huge degree, a you very significant so? degree, of course, yeah. especially because it's something that is now – You know, it gets more attention, so it's even more on their mind as they're looking into it. Well, I
1: have to say, it wasn't obvious to me that that was a component of it. I actually was kind of where Emily was. You know, I was out in Midland a couple of of weeks ago, and I saw the amount of activity around the energy plays out there. And of course, we know what's happening down in South Texas with the Eagleford. Uh, There are a lot of people who are thinking, you know, sit in a classroom for four years, crap. I'll go live in a man camp in one of these uh, shale plays, and I'll make crazy. Go to college later. I'll make crazy money.
0: Yeah. Although I talked to some folks at the higher ed coordinating board and at one point they looked into that theory and they came away thinking this is this more is a sort of a narrative that sounds good and less of an actual decision point for a significant amount of people. Right. Right.
2: And I think it's driven as much by the cost going into college as it is by the you know, whatever the benefit might be. I mean, college is really, really yeah. expensive. And and one of the things that I think is interesting about, you know, um, Whatever you think about it. One of the things that's interesting about Perry's ten thousand dollar degree idea is it goes right to the middle of this argument and a lot of other states, you know, a lot of people went, you can't do that, but a lot of other states immediately began looking at it and trying to figure out how to do that. A lot of people
1: mocked it and mocked him for it. And the fact is a number of schools have come up with more affordable more affordable degrees. I mean, that's sort of like giving him
0: way too much credit. The
1: question at a level below Well, I'm just all I said was that they mocked him. I'm not saying that this wouldn't have happened without him. I'm simply saying he. Put no, a stake no, he,
0: in the no, he, he, no, he. You're right that he was mocked and he put out this plan. But really, I mean, I think there's only there's only one degree in the state that you could really say was an actual innovative change to the, the way per, to degree you, pricing. UT Permian Basin? No, UT uh, Texas A&M, A&M, A&M Commerce, Commerce, right? Which is the thing they worked on with the coordinating board right. and with South Texas College. But the others were just sort of, oh, well, we can just. If we just navigate you through these courses, then this is the price tag. It didn't actually – very few of the solutions change the price of college. It was a way to just put a new name tag. Ross's point is not wrong.
1: Ross's point is not wrong, is that the conversation has moved away from there were alternatives to to the standard pricing for college to something where – It's an open discussion. You may not want the degree that you can get for $10,000 or for cheaper, Mm -hmm. but the point is it's there. The other thing on the college stuff and on the poll stuff that I thought was really interesting was that 49 percent of the people polled believe that we should uh, get rid of or be they're opposed to – maybe say it that way, that they're opposed to in-state tuition for for undocumented immigrants. That conversation is going to be joined in the legislature this time and probably in the Senate. I think it probably begins in the Senate.
2: Yeah. And, you know, the numbers in Texas haven't really changed on this. You know, it's interesting that when we passed it, I think 2003, is that right? It's 11 years, right? Um, it was sort of a no-brainer in the Republican House and the Republican Senate voted for it and the Republican governor signed it and bada bing, bada boom. It's a brainer and, now. Okay. I think it's, I think it's, it's a,
0: 2001. It's a
2: it's a, it's a, it's a one. Yeah. I, I think we're about to get rid of that if they're reading the same polls we are.
1: And you just look, and you whip the votes in the Senate. Right, there's 18 movement conservatives likely to be in the Senate and 31. Next well, time. it's and been a big polling,
2: issue for Patrick. Our polling has been right. here for a long time. Now, now there's a giant split, as you might expect, between Democrats and Republicans on this. Democrats are strongly in favor of out-of-state tuition for the children of undocumented. In-state I'm sorry, in-state <laughs> tuition. Um, and Republicans
1: Heartless are bastards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Says the guy about Ooh, to
2: pay out-of-state tuition. for an his act daughter. Of love. Yeah. Uh, private schools are you know, yikes. <laughs> yeah. um, But the um, Republicans and the independents are strongly against letting them have in-state tuition. So I think the the political math is pretty easy.
0: Well, let's uh, just quickly touch on the governor's recent trip to California, shall we?
2: he wants to move they to
3: California, did there. you catch this line?
0: Well, according to, was it New York Times Magazine?
3: Yes, even though Rick Perry thought he was being interviewed by New York Magazine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he told them that <laughs> he would definitely consider moving to California. Not if he doesn't run consider, for president. He said
3: if he doesn't run for president. He really loves San Diego. I know. love
0: California. I go to I San Diego California. every year. California is very nice. like Manu- South Padre. You guys I'm, might I'm not, have not
1: a big fan of San Diego, personally. If I were going to move to California, <laughs> I'd move someplace else. Nobody asked me, though. <laughs> Padre if you joined, do. What am I, chopped liver? It's... If you
2: don't run for
0: president,
1: if I don't run for president, and <laughs> right. may or may not move,
0: he's also more Jewish than you might think.
1: He said he's like almost <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, Rick Perry yeah, and Perry I have so much in common. This is why you're a squishy moderate, right here. Right. Right? I mean, we real... have those Rachel Maddow glasses.
3: But this is the same trip where Rick Perry compared, uh, in some way, um, homosexuality to alcoholism. Correct. Yeah, not, I thought. Not
2: I, thought some so, way. I actually yeah. thought the line okay. that was going to get him in the most political trouble has been barely reported. Was the Hillary Clinton line? It was highly praised. Mark of Mark, uh, Mark Barrabak, great Secretary of, the, of State. She's been mm, a. Yeah. You're kind of looking at that
0: going. He's, she's going to come that, over all the time when I live in California. You're taking that it's, into a Republican
3: wait, primary. that's did, probably against. He doesn't have a Benghazi problem.
1: Well, Mark, Mark Baraback of the LA Times wrote a story about Perry's appearance at the Commonwealth Club, in which he quoted Perry saying. Right. She was a fine secretary of state. She's a fine public servant. And he and I were visiting back and forth about how amazing it was that Hillary had – he said that about Hillary. And I would share Ross's thing. I think had it not been for the homosexuality alcoholism thing, that would the been. Hillary thing might have gotten much more attention. If
2: there's a piece of tape, this is going to come – and if, if, if he runs for president – Oh, there, if is, there is, a, there is if, tape. Okay, if, there's, if there's tape and he runs for president, you're going to see this one all over the place.
0: Well, I think both those things – I think the homosexuality is the same thing as alcoholism thing is exactly the kind of – Like, just weird answer or maybe questionable answer that people have been saying, like, oh, yeah, he's been rehabilitating his image, but he'll say something weird and it could throw the whole thing. I think this is that kind of thing.
3: The whole sort of that this is a resistible urge or that this is a sickness or, you know. Yeah,
0: it's just sort of stepping in. You know, hot water when you don't need to be. I
2: guess the question was on, he was, the context was. Uh, he, was asked, he was asked, do, you think, therapy, do you think it's right? a
0: disorder? Yeah. It was after the Republicans had right. mm-hmm. put reparative therapy, r- reparative therapy in their platform. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a tough question.
3: I suppose it probably doesn't harm him with his base. Is, yeah. Hold,
1: hold, hold on. It's a tough question? How's it a tough question?
3: I think for him to answer
0: and be consistent with his own uh, past statements, probably.
1: Well, if he's going to be consistent with his own past statements, then it's not a tough question. It's an easy question.
0: Yeah. But in terms of to get to get right with the sort of the mood of the country
3: and the platform,
0: well,
1: yeah. I, th- I think he learned based on, and he may just view the reaction to this being the same old people who don't like him anyway reacting the way they reacted. But the reaction to this was pretty consistent across the board.
2: Well, it's funny in the con- in the conversation. Well, not a whole with- lot
1: of people speaking up on behalf of his position. Right
2: in the conversation with um, the New York Times magazine, he talked about you know one of the weird things about. Running for president is that the level of scrutiny is high, and talked about having somebody I'd love to know who this was, by the way, having somebody videotape him at a meeting in his office as governor and talked about everything being under scrutiny. If you know that and you're in San Francisco and you're in a room and there's tape rolling, why are you saying things like what he said? I mean, you, you know, there's a way to say these things without being particularly quotable about it. And, you know, everybody could have talked about how much he likes Hillary Clinton instead.
3: <laughs> Did anyone watch the episode of Veep where she played off of the three things?
2: Yeah, it was painful because, you was, know, you could see it coming like 20 minutes early. <laughs> right,
3: exactly. Side note, it was entertaining. But for yeah. those of us who'd been in the room, it was like post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> if, you've, if you, the listener, have seen that episode of Veep or have any other questions or comments, please send them along to tribcast at texastribune.org. Also go to iTunes and review us very highly. Uh, thanks to Shiny Ribs for doing our music. On behalf of Emily, Ross, Evan, and our producer Todd... This is Reed. Thanks for listening. She
1: had a great relationship with the hookers.